Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 32. I want to talk about the church's mandate in troubling times. And if you haven't clued into what's happening around us in our world today, we are living in troubling times. A lot of things are happening that are not so great uh, in our world, and they are troubling times. But there are things that the church should be doing during these times, and that's what I'd like to talk about here this morning. If you turn your Bibles to Acts 4, verse 23 to 32, reading from the New Living Translation. If you have a different translation, that's fine. I just read this one just because it's in a little bit more modern language, a little easier to understand as we read. So Acts chapter 4, 23-32. So as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, you spoke long ago by your Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius, Pilate, the governor, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owed was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Father, I just pray your blessing upon your word here this morning. And Father, I just want to pray as well for anyone that is here today or is watching us online, Lord, that maybe is going through a trial or facing a temptation or, Lord, Lord just things aren't going well for them. I thank you that, Lord, that you are the God of all and that you are our healer, you are our deliverer, you are the God who intervenes, you are the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And Father, I just pray for those financial needs that are out there where, Lord, uh, people are not really knowing what they're going to do and not being able, Lord, maybe to uh, make those ends meet. And I just pray that, Lord, work a miracle in all those people's lives that are struggling right now financially. Father, uh, with people with need of a job, God, we just want to pray jobs. And that, Lord, you would open up the door for good jobs, not just a job, but good jobs where your people can be blessed and where your people can prosper and your people can respond and give, Lord, when they have those opportunities to give. We pray for those that are suffering, Lord, from uh, sickness, whether that be cancer or COVID or, uh, Lord, multiple diseases that are out there in our world today. We just pray healing today in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we just welcome you right here in our midst. Lord, right here in the midst of people who are watching us online, that you would come and touch us. You know exactly where we need to be touched by you. And so, Lord, we just welcome you to come, to touch each one of us, even right now, this very moment, just to touch us. And, Lord, to bring the peace that we need, to bring the strength that we need, to bring the hope that we need, to bring the healing that we need, to bring the deliverance that we need, 
We just welcome you, Jesus. We just welcome you, Lord, to do your work in this place and in the hearts of those that are watching us online today. In Jesus' name, amen. And we believe that. We don't just pray that. We do believe that. That God is able to do all those things and so much more. Well, this morning I want to look at the scriptural mandate that I find as you read this passage of scripture, talking to the church during troubling times. And, you know, we are living in troubling times where we see wars and rumors of more wars, uh, all kinds of issues of government control, inflation, rising taxation, media manipulation, government manipulation, uh, just so many things happening, diseases, uh, sicknesses, unrest, confusion, corruption, arrogance. And, you know, let's just mention just so little of what's really taking place in our world right now. And I know that many Christians believe that, you know, this could be the last of the last days. And it certainly could be. It, this could be the very last of the last days before Jesus Christ returns. For sure, we're living in troubling times. But we need to realize that we're not the only ones to face troubling times. There have been many other times throughout our history where we have suffered from far worse times and the church has faced far worse times. You don't have to go back too far in our history to look at uh, World War II and how many millions and millions of lives, uh, hundreds of millions of lives that it affected and touched around our world. And if we lived in that time, uh, there's a few people that are still alive today that have lived through that. Uh, but if we were living through that time right now, we'd be looking at a whole lot of things a lot different than what we'd be looking at them right now. And as you look throughout the Bible, you also see, uh, see that the Bible is filled with historic times where there were very severe, troubling times that hit the world. And it resulted with nation fighting against nation. There were droughts, there were famines, there were persecutions, and, and lives that were lost. And even as you read this scripture here in Acts chapter 4, it tells of a time where some personal freedoms were being attacked. Uh, corrupt governments, corrupt religious organizations were in control. And a great persecution was arising against Christians. And it's interesting to note that the early church believed they were in the last days and that soon the kings of the earth would come together and they would make war against the Messiah, Jesus. And it's interesting because you know, the early church just started. It, it was just starting to grow. And they're already thinking that, you know what, this could be it. Jesus could be returning this quickly. You know, and that's something as Christians throughout history, we've always kind of had that uh, view that, you know, Christ could come at any time, and we need to have that view. Because the Bible does say, you don't know when I may come, but you must be ready when I come. And so that's something that's very important for us. In that time when uh, this portion of Scripture was uh, being written, uh, the, the church was recognizing that the spirit of the Antichrist was alive and well in the world. And as a matter of fact, the early church view of Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate was certainly leaning towards the fact that these could be possible antichrists at that time. And as we look throughout history, there have been many antichrists that have come and gone uh, since the world has begun and will continue to do so until God says the final one comes. 
And, and that's the one we need to be really looking out for. Now, the early church, you know, they're, they're growing. They're experiencing really great and awesome things. And, and they're, as they're doing that, they're starting to experience persecution. They're starting to experience some threats uh, from the government, from uh, employers and all those kinds of things. Uh, they're facing imprisonment, executions from the governments and even from the religious leaders and from the people of the world. There was a, a disrespect among some of the world, not all of the world, but some. And interesting, as you do look at that history, and not too many years later, we see that in the years 58 to 68, uh, the cruelest emperor Nero uh, came to power, and uh, he loved to persecute Christians. He loved to blame the Christians for everything that was going wrong in society, blame the Christians, blame them. And when they had the great fire uh, uh, there in Rome, who was who to blame? Blame the Christians. And so many Christians were killed during this time, and many at that time would have looked at Nero as the Antichrist. But I don't want to really be focusing on when the Antichrist is coming or who is the real Antichrist or the final Antichrist. But what I want to focus on is what was the church doing? What was the response of the early church in view of all this trouble and all these threats and all that was happening to them. Because I, I think that's really important for us to observe and to understand and also to apply to our lives. We see that Peter and John, they were boldly preaching the gospel at this time. Uh, we see that many people were responding. The uh, Bible tells us about 5,000 people responded. And the message was very, very clear. They proclaimed a very clear message. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation... And no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that is the message that our whole world needs to hear. The most important decision in your life is to welcome Jesus Christ in your life. The next most important decision in your life is to follow Jesus Christ the rest of your life. Those things are very, very important. Anyway, the governments and the religious leaders, they didn't like this. And uh, when a miracle happened and a lame man began to walk, that caused quite a stir uh, in the city. And so the government and religious leaders, they kind of looked at these Christians as a threat to their power. And, and often that's what happens even in society today where people do crazy things sometimes because they look at other people as a threat to their power and to their control. And so they do what they still do today. They begin to threaten you. And if that doesn't work, well, then they literally start to persecute you and make laws to come against you. And so Peter and John, they're brought before the religious leaders, and uh, they demand of them that they no longer preach about Jesus. And then they went on to threaten them some more before they were released. And this was really just the beginning of a severe time of persecution that was going to hit the church. But again, I love the response of the Christians to all of this trouble that was happening. And, and you find that here in Acts chapter 4, 24. It says, when they heard the report, all the believers, all of them, not some of them, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. I like that the whole church, all the Christians, 
lifted their voices and began to cry out to the God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords, recognizing who they're calling out to. And, you know, to me, that is a huge mandate for the church, that when troubling times come, we as Christians, all believers, need to cry out to God and ask God to come and intervene in our situation. And that's something that's really, really important. I really believe that's a mandate uh, for all Christians to come together and pray. I think a lot of times we, we don't think that. Uh, we might say that, but we don't think it or apply it because all you have to do is look at prayer meetings all over the place and they're not full. Well, we need to make them full if we really want to get through troubling times. So in praying, there are some things that we're to recognize. We're to recognize that our God has the power to intervene in every situation and every circumstance in life. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. That's our God. So when you come before him, you need to realize that you're coming before someone that is actually able to do something about the situation that you are in. He is the supreme authority. He is the sovereign God. He is the all-powerful one. He is the truth, the life, the way. There's no one greater than him. He is the God of all creation, of all heaven. And so in comparison, nobody can compare to him. And all the wickedness of the world will not prevail before him because there's no match for his power. So until that day when Jesus returns, the church's response or mandate to trouble is to pray, is to draw near, is to call on God, believing that he is able to intervene and that the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, I hear a lot of talk today that, you know, it's over for the church. The church is done. The church is finished. I want to tell you something. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church will come through this time of trouble. The church will prosper. The church will increase. It will not be stopped, even though there's all these attempts of the enemy. You know, I was reading an article this week about the war in Ukraine and, and the response of the church there. And, and you know, uh, we really need to commend uh, the Ukrainian church at this time uh, for the work that they're doing. And all the churches that are surrounding Ukraine have been really doing a wonderful job of giving aid and helping them, praying for them, uh, offering help to them. Anyway, I was, uh, Ukraine is the largest evangelical country in Europe. Uh, God has been doing a lot of great things there in these past years. And God has continued to do some great things in Ukraine, even though they're in the midst of war, even though they're in their midst where Christians are being killed and pastors are being shot. Uh, those things are taking place. That is reality. That's not a lie. Those are real things that are happening. But in, in all of that, what is the church doing? They're coming together. They're praying. They're coming together. They're worshiping the Lord. They're coming together and they're preaching the gospel. They're giving aid, they're giving food, they're giving shelter to those who have lost everything. There was a story in there, and it was a story about the Bible college in uh, urban, a suburb of Kiev. Rather interesting that uh, the story where that Bible college came about, uh, I can't remember the name of the man, but uh, the man's father uh, was a man during uh, 
the, the Soviet, when the Soviets covered all that area. And that man's father was uh, uh, arrested, uh, made up some false charges, taken to Siberia. And uh, there in Siberia, one of the things they would do is they would, guards would come in at nighttime, they'd shine a flashlight in, and if it happened to land on you, you were the person that was going to be taken out and shot. And so finally, this person's father that had started this Bible college, the light shone on him. And they brought him out to shoot him. And the commandant came out and uh, said, who is the man we are about to shoot? And they said, he's a Baptist man. And immediately the commandant responded and said, my mom is a Baptist, don't shoot him. Give him a reprieve. And he escaped uh, the shooting and survived uh, that imprisonment in Siberia. And his son started this Bible college. And since it started 25 years ago, 2,500 men and women have graduated from that Bible college. 97% are still in full-time ministry. And that may not sound like a big deal to you, uh, but I look at, at the Bible college I went to, and I look at how many people are still in full-time ministry, and I'm not sure if we have 10 uh, in my class that are still. They have uh, 97%. At the time, this, uh, this year, uh, the Bible college was filled to overcapacity. 830 people have responded to the call and want to be ministers in Ukraine to preach the gospel. And uh, unfortunately, that place was bombed. And at the time when it was bombed, there was uh, over 100 people in the basement uh, seeking shelter because that's what they've been using a lot of the churches for, the basements for shelter. And thankfully... Uh, no one uh, received uh, any major injuries, all minor injuries, and everyone was able uh, to get out of the building, even though the building basically uh, burnt and uh, was totally gutted by fire. But So what I want to say is that the church in Ukraine, in the midst of all this trouble, is not running away. It's not running away. It's not saying, that, oh, this is the end, and uh, if I was in Ukraine, I'd be probably thinking, this is the end. Man, they're blasting everything. There's nothing left. They're leveling everything. This got to be it. This got to be it. What are they doing? They're continuing to preach the gospel. They're continuing to get on their knees and pray and to seek God. And so uh, God bless all those Ukrainians out there and all the people around the world, including ourselves too, that are praying for them because God is still working in the midst of trouble. Now, here in Canada, we really don't have much to complain about. I know we're all complaining uh, about all the things that are happening here in Canada. Uh, I include myself in there at times, too. And there, it is. There are troubling times for us here in, Can in Canada. But, you know, the mandate is still the same. If there's trouble, then we're to pray. And that's what we really need to start speaking to ourselves and stop making our excuses and say, I'm going to pray. I'm really going to take some effort and I'm going to stop doing some other things that aren't so important and begin to pray. And we are. We are seeing people that are gathering uh, for prayer uh, all across Canada. There have been different things online uh, to be a part of as people are praying. As a church, we need to be praying. It shouldn't be the meeting where nobody bothers to attend. And, you know, this is Pentecost Sunday. What was the church doing on Pentecost Sunday, 
They were praying. They were together. They came in one accord seeking something that God had called them uh, to do, to pray and to seek from heaven. And, you know, we need to realize it's important. It's important that we have this mandate that we need to pray. No excuses. We need to pray. And as we pray, there will be things that will happen. There will be things that will take place. And for the rest of this message, I really want to talk about as the church responded to prayer in this troubling times, there were certain things that they prayed that I think we need to be praying as well. And so that's what I'd like to share here this morning. And the first thing that we see in the early church is they responded to all this trouble that was happening around them. Well, they began to pray about the threats. See, there were threats that were coming against the uh, gospel. Uh, they were giving out warnings that if you continue to preach the gospel, you're going to be arrested. You're going to go to jail. And so those are very real things. That's evening happening today. It has happened today. If you continue to preach the gospel, you will go to jail. And so listen what they did here. Acts chapter 4, 27, and then 29. It says, in fact, this has happened here in this very city. For here at Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. So the early church, they took the threats very seriously. And as I said, they could see the spirit of the Antichrist alive and well in their day. And certainly we should be seeing the spirit of Antichrist is very alive and well in our world today. And the response to that was not all alarm or let's run away or we're, we're done, it's over. The response to that was we're going to pray. We're going to pray to the one who can make a difference, even though we see governments, religious organizations, they're all coming against us. There's somebody that can make a difference, and that is God. And so they began to pray. So in troubling times, we are to pray pointing out to God the threats that are coming against the gospel. Uh, threats can be things and also can be people that are hindering the spreading of the gospel. Sometimes that can be political leaders. Sometimes that can be lawmakers. Sometimes people of influence, media, organizations, or just ordinary people that want to cause trouble and havoc and divide the church. Our first response needs to be pray pray, to pray, to pray for those situations, to pray for those people and asking God to intervene in these situations and in these people's lives that those issues can be corrected. Now, I know that when we pray and there's things that are coming against us, sometimes we can get a little overzealous sometimes uh, in our prayers and, you know, we, we just start praying, God, just bring judgment, Lord, just take their lives, just destroy them and you know, we can kind of get into that bit of a frame of mind. And, you know, if that happens to you from time to time, well, we do see that in Scripture too. Sometimes the psalmist David responded like that. I looked at Psalm 55, uh, 11, verse 11, then jump down to 15, 16. It says, everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. And he kind of goes on this rampage of all the things that are going wrong. And so he says, let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. 
And then you just have that little part of a phrase, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. And, and David was very much like, he sometimes was quite honest in his emotions. That is, he would be praying like, uh, what I feel to say and what I really need to say are often two different things. And sometimes we start off in the flesh, God, just bring judgment on them. God, just take, oh, just destroy their lives. And then we kind of have a reality check. God brings peace in our lives as we start to look to him. And then we start praying effectively, actually praying what God would want us to pray. And that's very, very important. But I, say, I still, I love reading the Psalms because it reminds us that, you know what, we are human. And that, you know, sometimes we have thoughts that are not the greatest thoughts. Sometimes we have reactions that are not the greatest reactions to have. But the beautiful thing is that when we come to God in prayer, there's a calming effect that takes place. There's a peace that starts to come in our lives. There's a direction that starts to happen that we feel to respond to instead of the, you know, that just, like, Lord, just crush them, just destroy them. All of a sudden, we have a much greater way to pray for that individual or to pray for that situation or pray for that circumstance because when you go to God in prayer, there is a calmness that it brings and a peace and gives us a right direction how we should pray. And so I think it should be a good reminder for us to take everything to the Lord in prayer first because otherwise we may say or do things that we will later regret. And I think we've all have been there, done that, uh, been guilty of that, where we've said things, did things, we kind of responded in anger, blew up, and then afterwards, you know, then we start to pray, and then we start feeling the conviction of God and realizing, no, no, that wasn't the way we should have responded. So I know that frustration can easily get the better of us all, and certainly in the times that we're living in, that is certainly a reality. But the response that we need to have is to come and to pray. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling all of us to say, listen, you need to come to me. And all, every believer needs to start to pray and to call on God for his intervention in the situations that you're finding yourself in. Because he is able to do something about the circumstances and the things that are going on in your life and around you. Now, a response from our flesh, I know, does make us feel better. Let's be honest. Yes, it does. But prayer is always the best response. It's going to help us to respond in the appropriate Christian way, and certainly that gets the best response from heaven as well. So when troubling times come, our first response needs to be, I'm going to bring this to prayer. I'm going to get in that atmosphere where I feel the peace of God and I feel a calming of my spirit before I begin to react to what's happening all around me. And that's what we need to do. We need to do this, uh, to pray first. And I know that's not always what we do. Sometimes we just respond to our flesh. Well, we need to take control of that flesh and begin to say, no, I'm going to take this to prayer. I need to get God's perspective on what is going on and what is happening in our world and in my life and in the people's lives around me. So in troubling times, our mandate is to pray. Pray about those threats. Pray about the actions that are coming against uh, the church and, and against people, but, but getting God's view, getting God's input into those situations that we might pray more effectively. And then secondly, in troubling times, 
We're to respond in prayer by praying for boldness and sharing the gospel. Acts 4.29 says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness and preaching your word. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that, I kind of thought, you know, not quite sure if we're always there. You know, we have trouble in our life. We see things that are happening in our world. And the first thing, you know, well, we do go to pray. We do mention to God, these are the things that are happening. And then the second thing is that we would be praying about, Lord, help us to spread the gospel of Jesus during this time. I'm not sure if that was really on people's mind even as we hit COVID and a lot of churches got shut down. If we were really thinking about spreading the word of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, or were we more concentrating on all the inconveniences that COVID brought? And I think we may be a little bit guilty on concentrating more on the inconveniences instead of getting the message of the gospel out. And thankfully... You know, an amazing thing did happen. We all went online. And do I rather in-person church? 100%. There's something about actually being in church. But praise God, you know what? There's people watching us today from all across Canada, different parts of the world that watch us today because we're online. Little did we know that we could be reaching people. There's people in this community that are watching us now that have never darkened the doors of this church but they're watching now. And that's what we need to be praying about. Lord, in troubling times, we need to be thinking about the gospel, not about ourselves, which is what we usually do. We're usually guilty there. Is the gospel on our radar during this time that we are facing right here in Canada? Are we thinking about reaching this nation of Canada? Or are we just all concerned about, you know, how hard and tough it is to live here right now? Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be praying about souls. We're supposed to be praying about reaching out and touching other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, prayer is always valuable. In troubling times, it really helps us keep the focus of what is really important and what God is wanting during this time because all of us, you know, we're, we're all the same. We can, we're thinking about things that are about ourselves. And God is trying to tell us, I want you to be thinking about others. I want you to be thinking about reaching your world and how with all these things that are taking place, how are you going to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Think of the persecution for the early church. It was really growing in that Jerusalem area in Israel. It was really growing. Then persecution came. Terrible thing. People lost their lives. People were in prison. People lost their homes. But you know what? Something else also happened the gospel spread amazingly around the world at that time. So I believe a lot of the early church were focusing on how do we get the gospel out? Even though it's now dangerous, how do we get that gospel? And then they did a great job. And, and that needs to be our focus. We need to focus on reaching our world. You know, so often our, our focus is here on earth. Our, our focus is our own personal lives. And, and, you know, what things affect us as, uh, as a person. When God says your focus really needs to be on reaching people for Jesus Christ because it's about eternity. You're going to have a whole eternity to enjoy life. And sometimes we, we practice 
No, I only have 70, 80, 90 years that I get to enjoy life in this earth. That's my focus. And while God said, no, it needs to be souls and the kingdom and eternity focus. As you look to the book of Acts, we see that the, uh, it begins with the believers gathering together to pray. And they were gathering to pray, waiting for a promise for God that would help them live the Christian life and also help them reach the world with the gospel. That's a good thing to gather together and pray for. Acts 1.8 says, here's the promise, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in troubling times, we are to be praying for souls. We're to be praying about reaching out, touching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we're realizing through these past few years about some different ways that we can do that. And uh, even though that was kind of trying at the time, we're glad that those things are there now that we can reach out and touch our world. But in troubling times, the church's mandate is really to be thinking about others and thinking about the gospel message, praying for a boldness, a power and a strength that we might keep sharing the gospel. So when you listen to all the things that are happening in the church today and all the things that are happening in Canada today about the church, man, don't always listen to everything that the world is saying or even what religious people are saying. You need to hear it from him and get empowered from him to say, well, I'm going to go out there and reach more people. I'm not going to allow this nation of Canada, while we see a continual decrease in people coming to church or having faith in Christ that's been on a steady decrease for some time, I'm not going to settle for that. No, we're going to change those statistics and start making a climb back up where we see multitudes come to Jesus Christ. And we will see that if the church, if all believers will begin to pray and seek God for a greater boldness in sharing the gospel of Jesus. Then 30 and troubling times we're to pray for miracles to happen. Uh, praying that God moves in unusual ways, supernatural ways. Acts 4.30, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let me tell you, that's something we really need to be praying for uh, in these troubling times. Let's pray for miracles. You want to see everything get turned around and get changed and, and people that are going hard against the gospel or don't believe in God and don't think he exists, start seeing some miracles take place. And I don't, I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about big things where you see the lame man, all of a sudden he's walking. You see somebody with cancer, totally delivered of cancer. Someone who lost their legs, little alone this inch foolishness of growing an inch stuff. Let's talk about the whole leg coming back. Let, let's talk about uh, uh, people who are blind being able to see. Because those are the things that God can still do. And I know that, you know, we, we kind of settled down in our Christianity because, well, I haven't seen that, so, you know, I'm not even going to bother praying. No, the Bible says in troubling times, that's what you need to be praying for, that they start seeing a miracle. Think of our politicians, and all of a sudden they start seeing some miracles happen before their very eyes. Or they themselves experience a miracle. Totally change all their rulings and how they were governing the nation when they start seeing things like that. So we got to do that. The, the city was touched here when a crippled man uh, was Peter and then prayed for him. He was healed. Got a lot of people's attention. And you know what? Miracles get people's attention. We need to be praying for miracles again. And I know, you know, 
Lots of people have been disappointed because it didn't happen. You prayed, you fasted, you did all these things. And, you know, sometimes it didn't work out. And sometimes those people died. Well, don't let those memories or those circumstances dictate what you're praying for now. Continue to pray for miracles. I've seen some miracles. I've seen probably more disappointments. But I'm going to still pray for the miracles because I'm not going to give up. Because I know that Jesus wins. And so I'm going to keep praying that the God of all power is still able to heal, deliver, and change our world and change people's lives. And uh, friends, we've got to keep praying. Keep praying for, for miracles. You know, it, it's kind of interesting that it seems like in troubling times there seems to be an atmosphere for miracles to start happening. Because people get in dire straits and, you know, they, they go through everything else that they can do in the natural, and, and they kind of get to a place where they find themselves, there's nothing else I can do. There's no hope. I've tried everything. I've tried banks. I, I've, I've tried to get assistance here. I've gone to all the doctors. There's nothing one can do. There's no hope. But there's a God of hope that can come in those situations and totally perform a wonderful, wonderful miracle. So pray for miracles. Pray for wonders. Where people just get amazed at God and just say, I can't believe, did you hear about that? Did you hear about that? That this took place? Did that happen? Those are some wonders that gets people wondering. Pray for signs. And don't pray for little stuff, man. Pray for big things. Big things. Uh, where people encounter God with supernatural healings uh, in their bodies. Uh, where they see signs in the heavens and signs around them. Where it just shows only God could do that. This is a God moment. We need to be praying for that. Good time to be praying for that. Jesus was a miracle worker, and he still is a miracle worker. He hasn't changed. And he commissions us, and take note of that in the Bible, to go out and do that as well. It was a practice of the 12 disciples. It was a practice of the 70 disciples. It was a practice of the early church. And, and that, to me, it serves as a mandate for all of us. Uh, Matthew uh, 10, 78 says, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you receive. So miracles are supposed to be a part of the message of the gospel. And I really think we need to be getting ourselves in that place spiritually that we would start seeing that happen more and more and more and keep asking, keep believing, coming together and, and praying for that. And so that's important. We are, we're praying that for our community. We're praying that for this church, that God would perform more miracles in this church. We'd see more people heal, delivered, changed, transformed than in any other time. Let's keep praying that. Fourthly, um, I'll go a little faster here. Uh, in troubling times, the church needs to be praying for a spiritual shaking to take place that will draw people to Jesus, draw the backslidden back to God, give the church a fresh burst, a passion for God. And we need that in our nation. Acts 4, 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Friends, we need to be praying for a shaking to happen in the church. A shaking in the church. That we would be shaken to that point that we kind of get our acts together, that we start serving the Lord with a greater passion, a greater desire to see the things of God fulfilled. And, and you know, Maybe they were coming to imagine if right now there began to be a shaking uh, in here. I don't know if uh, you've ever been in a place where there was a, an earthquake 
and, and the ground begins to shake underneath you. Uh, I wasn't in one of those, but I was in this uh, uh, chemical plant, and there was a gas leak, and so they have these burners, and when these burners come on, it literally shook the ground where you were. It was a very interesting uh, thing. I was kind of thought it was pretty cool. I knew they had to run and get a mask, but uh, uh, it was kind of cool that the whole ground would shake. We need that. We need a shaking in our lives again to restore our passions and our desire for the things of God. And how do we get there? Well, that answer is back just one chapter in your Bibles. The Acts chapter 3, 19 to 20 says, Now repent of your sins, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. See, a shaking is going to wake us up from our spiritual slumber. It's going to wake us up if we have rebellion in our lives, if we have sin in our lives, if there's wrong priorities in our lives. We need that shaking. And, you know, we need to say, God, I ask for a shaking in my life. Because, you know what, Lord, I just realized where I'm at right now is not where I should be. Shake me, Lord. And, Lord, if you want to shake me literally, do that. I was in a church service one day, and I, I watched this guy. He literally, he just shook, and he, he just vibrated all across the floor. And he was as still as could be. God was shaking him, man, and God did. He changed that man's life, turned it all around. Well, we need a shaking to take place uh, in our lives. And then the last one here is to pray for unity. And, and again, another mandate of the church in troubling times, we need Unity, Acts 4, 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they owed, owned not, uh, well, it's not their own, so they shared everything they had. And, and we need that today. We can't go forward without unity. And we got to get over, you know, our, you know uh, our offenses against one another or our opinions against one another or, you know, whatever you're allowing in your life to divide you from other people and just say, look, the gospel needs to go forward. We need to come together join together, worship God together, pray together to see our nation and our world change. That's so very, very important. Psalm 133, 1 to 3, uh, just talks about how wonderful unity is and where, how the anointing can come, how wonderful, how pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. There and down his beard, on the border of his robe, harmony is refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. We've talked about unity before, and friends, it's so important. There's a lot of things out there in our world that can take the place of what we really need to do. We had a prayer meeting this week uh, out in Goodfish. Uh, there was a lady there. Uh, she was, came last week, and uh, or not the last time we had a prayer meeting, and so she was going to come again. And she sent a message to say, you know what, I'm not going to be there this week. But within 30 minutes, she was there. And she brought her mother, and she brought, I believe it was a granddaughter with her. And so we had our time of prayer. Uh, we actually prayed for them as well. And uh, one of those ladies was an elder uh, in the community. And if you're an elder in the community, then there, there's power, there's authority there when you're asking God to bring something in. If we want Jesus in our community, our elders are very important that they would pray that. And so, anyways, we did all that. Uh, we're kind of fellowshipping afterwards, and uh, she told us a story. She says, you know, today I, I was on my way to a soccer game because my granddaughter was playing soccer. But she says, as I was on my way, 
I kind of thought, you know what? My granddaughter's going to be playing on other days and playing soccer. It doesn't have to be to today that I go and see her. I can see her another day. I should go to this prayer meeting. She said, but then as I thought about that, she said I started heading towards home because, you know what? I haven't planted my garden. I've been so busy. I haven't planted my garden. And so she said, you know what? I'll just go home and, you know, tonight's a good night. I'll plant my garden. And as she's doing that, she said, I started to think again, you know, there's other nights you can plant your garden. You need to go to the prayer meeting. And so she did. And uh, since the other people were in the vehicle with her, they didn't have a choice and they had to come to the prayer meeting too. And it was interesting that as they then spoke up and said, well, yeah, we didn't want to be here either. But you know what? It was so good that we came here. To, I am so thankful that we came and that we were able to pray. And uh, that elder, she got up and she went around and she hugged every one of us and thanked us for having a prayer meeting. See, sometimes you just got to change your priority. There's, there could be another day. You can go watch soccer or you can go watch this or do that or whatever's on your schedule. We all have busy things to do. I, I know if, if you're like me, I'm about two weeks behind, I figure, and things I got to get done. But you know what? There's more important things. God thinks are more important. If I want to see this world change, if I want to see troubling times get over, then there's more important things that I need to be doing than just worrying about the normal everyday activities of life. And I, and I hope that witnesses with you. It really blessed me. I was just totally blessed from being there at that, that prayer meeting uh, to hear those people talk. And then they got talking about, you know, we, we need Jesus in this community. And, you know, we need more teachers uh, to, to, to be in our schools that preach about Jesus. Well, guess who was there that night? Peter Rasmussen was there. He, he's retired. He's a retired teacher. Here last week, he felt that God was saying, you need to go back to teaching and subbing. And so he talked that over with his wife, and she finally said yes, called him up, and so now he's ready to go back in there to teach the gospel. But they were already praying about that, saying we need somebody in here that will be a Christian and, and, and to be uh, in our schools because we need Jesus in our community. What are you willing to do to experience more of Jesus? It's not all up to me as a pastor it's not all up to, you know, what the board does or doesn't do. You know, we got to start looking at us, an individual. What am I willing to do to see this world get changed? What am I willing to do to see the things get changed that are happening in this nation of Canada? What am I willing to do to see our, our communities come to Christ and get changed? That's something that we really got to look at. And the mandate is, you're to pray. You're to pray. Come together and pray. Father, I just pray that this message just finds a resting place in our hearts. God, I, I know even in my own life that I can be so, get, up, get so caught up in so many busy things where, Lord, I can be tempted too not to do things, but Lord, I'm the pastor, so a lot of times I just got to do them anyway. But Father, I realize that's, that's a true thing. Lord, yeah, we need to get those guards planted. We need to get the grass cut. We, we need to uh, Lord, have some holidays. Lord, uh, we need to have some fun and all those kinds of things. But Lord, I pray that you would remind us and shake us up to what's really important. If we want to see our world changed, we want to see the, all the dilemmas that we're all in change, then we need to pray. And so Lord, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then 
will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Lord, that's the answer. We don't like that answer, but it is the answer. And Lord, if we want to find relief in our troubling times, that is the answer that we would pray and call upon the name of Jesus. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to do that. Because Lord, we want to see the miraculous right here. We, we want to see this nation of Canada be shaken and turned around where we would see the gospel beginning to increase. And Lord, not only increase, but even to see our political leaders, uh, Lord, come into a relationship with God. Uh, Lord, our municipal leaders. Um, Lord, our teachers, our workplaces, wherever, God. We're just praying that, Lord, more Jesus, more of Jesus. And Father, help us as Christians, Lord, to respond in those proper ways that we will pray, we'll get the mind of heaven, and that, Lord, that we might pray more effectively, and that, Lord, we would experience your peace and your calm as we do pray. So, Lord, I just pray for this word as it goes out today, that, Lord, it will accomplish its purposes that you desire, and that, Lord, there would be a fresh shaking in every one of us. And, Lord, I pray for myself too, God. Shake me. Shake me, God. I, I want to experience more of you, Lord Jesus. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want more because I know there's more. I, I pray, Lord, for that backslider, that one that once served the Lord but has walked away from you. Lord, we call those backsliders back in Jesus' name. We pray for fresh encounters, a fresh shaking in their lives, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, that will get them to that place and realize, no, 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 I need to go back to God. I need to return to God. I thank you that, Lord, you're a friend of the backslider. And that, Lord, that you constantly draw and, and, and will quicken us. So, Lord, we just bring uh, loved ones, family members, Lord, uh, people that we know that once served God but are not serving God today. God, we know that that doesn't please you. And so, Lord, give them a shaking too. Because, Lord, you desire everyone to be saved, that none would be lost. And so, Father, we just declare that over this place, that none would be lost. And even though the enemy may have taken... Uh, Lord, some uh, souls for right now, Lord, they will not be lost in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just call for that shaking that they will return. And Lord, they will return with power. They'll return with excitement. They'll return with a joy that they've never had before. And we pray that even in our own lives, Lord, a, a fresh awakening in our own lives, that you would stir us up, Lord, to far greater things with you. I pray that you would use us in greater ways, that we would see signs, wonders, miracles in our midst. Lord, we would see signs, wonders, miracles, Lord, in our job sites, in the places we walk, in our communities, in our towns and villages and so forth, Lord, that we would see wherever we go, that, Lord, we start seeing some great and mighty things. So, Lord, we just pray these blessings here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen.